0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger. Fresh for everyone.
1: Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans.
0: Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Let me finish the week kind of where I started it. If you'll go back to Monday's show, one of the things you'll remember for me was I talked about the influence that guys like Vince Dooley and Larry Munson have had on me, the way they used to talk about Georgia games and Georgia opponents and It just seemed very appropriate for them to talk up the opponent and sometimes talk down their own team. Coach Dooley as the coach, Larry Munson as the kind of, you know, very uh, emotional voice, the narrator of that experience for the rest of us as fans, me as a very young fan. Some of you as a little bit older there at the time. And you just remember the way in which they kind of brought a uh, uh, kind of a tinge of pessimism into the discussion. And I think a lot of us have been kind of clouded by that. And I mean that in a complimentary way. Uh, those guys just had a very uh, and and Coach Dooley even to this day kind of maybe still like that. Those guys back then just kind of had a very special way of talking about Georgia football, and I think that's had influenced a lot of us. And the question I kind of asked out loud on Monday was: As a Georgia fan, have you earned the right, or has this team earned the right to allow you to feel confident going into a game like this? The betting houses, such as our friends at Bet US, say that you should. Georgia's more than an 18 point favorite on Saturday. And yet there's still this kind of thought of, yeah, but but are we heading for a letdown? Yeah, but is it going to be quite that easy for Georgia? Sometimes it seems like things aren't quite that easy. And I was telling our video audience before our you know regular show began a moment ago that trying to think about what the right word for me to describe myself is going into tomorrow's game, I don't know if confident is necessarily that, but I am certainly optimistic. And then what I'm optimistic of is, is that by the time the game is done maybe Georgia will have earned from me from the other people who were you know tuned in to watch maybe Georgia will have earned the kind of confidence that I'd love to see dog fans have where going to big games like this there isn't the need to think about all the things that could go wrong or there isn't the need to think about the other shoe dropping that Georgia can be like some elite programs have been the last couple of years where their fans show up on a Saturday actually assuming that things are going to go well and actually assuming that Georgia is going to flex itself a little bit in front of a national television audience for instance i'll give you a number here. i thought this was kind of interesting let me show you this on the screen so espn its stats and info put out on twitter this week based on like their fpi data and stuff like that that georgia currently has the best chance according to espn stats and info to win this year's national championship according to espn they have a 36 percent chance of winning the title that's better than one in three Ahead of Alabama at thirty four percent, then you get to like Oklahoma at nine percent, Ohio State, Michigan, both at at four percent, but Georgia way out in front of everybody else. And I have to admit, while I guess that's somewhat statistically interesting, I guess I don't know that emotionally I've really bought into that yet. I, I would say clearly Georgia could win the national championship, but will they win the national championship? Do I feel that? That do, do I feel as confident as ESPN's nerds do that are crunching those numbers that it's a better than one in three chance? Boy, I don't quite know if I'm there quite yet, but Saturday could be uh, could go a long way towards getting me there. And I think for those of you who try to keep a somewhat realistic appraisal of the situation when, when, when it involves Georgia. I think, I think Saturday provides for Georgia a tremendous opportunity to make a statement to those of us who watch this team very closely, but also make a statement to those of us are maybe outside the bubble of dog nation, those folks who kind of haven't seen Georgia quite as close, but because of the noon start, because of the hype for this game, ESPN college game day leading into it, they're tuned in to find out, well, just how good is this Georgia team this year? Let me click over there and see exactly what this Georgia team brings to the table. And I think that Georgia can make a major statement on Saturday with how it plays that, hey, you may not know what to expect from Georgia before all this because it's been other teams the last few years that have been winning the national championships. But just know on the basis of what happens against the Hogs, you're going to have to reckon with us for the rest of the season. And I think there's a pretty s- specific statement Georgia can make there in that regard. Now, here's what I want to try to do for like the next 60 seconds or so, maybe two minutes worth. I want to try to keep things really, really simple. And I want to try to make a very, very straightforward and simple point about Georgia. Because you can get to a point in the week like this, going into the kind of game that Georgia is about to play uh, on Saturday, where you've kind of chopped it up so many different ways that everything has been said and nobody can really remember anything that was said specifically by anybody. I want to avoid that here for a moment. I want to make a very, very simple point. That if you go back and look, and this morning before the show began, I went back and looked at the last 10 instances with Georgia playing a team ranked in the top 15. If you go back and look at those games for Georgia the last 10 times that it has taken place, I think what you see is a Georgia team that kind of leaves a little something to be desired. Not to say they haven't won some of these games because they have, but the specific performance for Georgia in those games the last 10 which actually kind of dates back to the end of the 2018 season those last 10 games I think you see you see statistically great opportunity for improvement and that's the kind of improvement I'm looking forward to seeing from Georgia hopefully on Saturday let me show you this on the screen for those of you watching the video you are probably not surprised to hear that offensively Georgia has kind of left something on the table against top 15 type teams over the course of its last 10 games. Georgia's only averaging 21.2 points scored per game over the course of that span. That is not a surprise. Clearly, Georgia has been working to create the kind of elite offense that other national championship teams and national championship contenders have had in recent years, and the fact that Georgia's only scoring slightly over 21 points per game against the best teams that it's played in recent years is not a surprise. However, what might be a little bit more of a surprise is over the course of that same span, while Georgia against top 15 teams hasn't been scoring enough, did you know they've actually allowed more points than they've scored? that Georgia, on average, in its last 10 games against top 15 teams, is giving up 22.8 points per game. Now, that's a little bit of a surprise, right? Because we think of Georgia as being a great defensive team, and for the most part, it is. And against these elite teams that it's played, or maybe upper-tier teams that it's played in recent seasons, they've got plenty of games where they've completely dominated top 10 team uh Clemson when the game was played anyway obviously Georgia only held them to three points uh think back to you know last year believe it or not Auburn when it came to Athens was ranked like 14th or something like that uh Georgia held them to what seven points something like that there have been plenty of moments when Georgia has played pretty good ranked teams and held them to a low number but there's also the 37 allowed to uh, to LSU in the 2019 national championship SEC championship game there was also the 40 plus points allowed to, to Florida and Alabama last season there are these moments in which against good teams Georgia actually hasn't stifled them defensively as much as we think they uh, they should and so I say all of that to say that based on Georgia's recent performance in some big games there is a big game thing to be proven on Saturday and here's my simple wish for Georgia and, you know, you can think, well, Georgia's 18 and a half point favorite. Ultimately, the point spread probably only matters if you're betting the game, right? I mean, it's just an expected outcome for the game. But if you don't have money on the game, whether George wins by 17 or 19, that's probably not like, you know, changing your life all that much one way or another, unless you actually have some of your cash down on the game. And for those of you that do, best of luck with that. But here's something we could all understand. Whether we care about point spreads or not, whether we're betting the game or not, Here's the kind of thing we can all understand. I think a huge statement for Georgia tomorrow would be dogs in the 30s, hogs in the teens. That would tell you a lot about Georgia. Dogs in the 30s, hogs in the teens. That would be the kind of thing that Georgia hasn't been doing all that much in big games in recent seasons. They've, they've only been averaging 21 points scored over the course of their last 10 against top 15 teams. If you score in the 30s tomorrow, that shows you how much this program has grown. Georgia's been giving up more points than it's been scoring in these games as of late, allowing an average of 20, 22 points per contest, once again, over the course of the last 10. Keep Arkansas in the teens tomorrow. You're also showing the kind of defensive growth that some fans have been wanting to see in big games there as well. To me, it's as simple as that. If you want to see Georgia as a more legitimate championship contender in 2021 than it possibly has been in 2018, 2019, or 2020, that's the kind of statement you can make tomorrow dogs in the 30s hogs in the teens that would let you know this Georgia team may be on its way to being as good as you want it to be by the end of the season all right with that said let me completely shift gears and talk about something totally different here for a moment obviously the dogs opponent on Saturday is the Razorbacks but in kind of an interesting way Georgia may also be competing with Alabama a little bit tomorrow too Hard not to notice that the two marquee games in the SEC, which will be taking place in back-to-back TV windows, Dogs at noon against Arkansas, Alabama at home uh, against Ole Miss at 3.30 Eastern time. And it's very interesting to hear the language coming out of both these programs in kind of making a similar challenge. It sounds like Alabama coach Nick Saban is a little worried about the kind of atmosphere that he thinks is going to be created at uh, Bryant-Denny Stadium. I've seen some chatter from Greg Byrne, the athletic director, that they're trying to upgrade the music and and, and trying to make the in-stadium atmosphere a little more in- enjoyable. Apparently, they feel like that's been lackluster at Alabama lately. Of course, uh pandemic from last year notwithstanding. This week, when Nick Saban had a chance to to speak to the media and use the media to go through the media to his fans, it sounds like Saban's trying everything he can to make Bryant-Denny Stadium a home field advantage as the Rebels come in. Let me let you hear a little bit of this as kind of an interesting comparison of what's been going on there at Georgia. Here's Saban.
1: This is probably um, the first big game uh, that we've had here for now like a year and a half uh, because of last year's COVID. I know we've had a couple home games, but this is an SEC game at home for the first time in you know a couple years. And um, I hope our fans are excited about it as our team is. Um, we're playing a really good team. Uh, they've got a lot of really good players. They do a great job in execution, and it's going to be a real challenge for us. And you know, we played down at Florida. I mean, it was really, really tough on our team, uh, and you could tell. Uh, So, you know, hopefully we can make it a little bit that way for their team. Uh, And, you know, we're just excited to be playing in a big game at home in our stadium uh, against a good team, uh, and hopefully our fans, our players, and everybody will have great passion and enthusiasm, you know, for this game.
0: I mean, you want to talk about not coming across as presidential. Nick Saban's like, Boy, we need y'all to be as loud as those Florida fans were. I mean, that's that you know, that's not presidential right there. That is not what you want to hear from the GOAT, greatest of all time, Nick Saban, of, hey, I gotta have these Crimson Tide fans creating the same atmosphere that existed for us in the swamp. Oh boy, I hope I don't ever have to hear Kirby Smart say something like that. That's a little bit of an interesting thing from Nick Saban, really challenging those Bama fans, Bama students, to create the atmosphere at Bryant-Denny Stadium. And, of course, Georgia's been doing the same thing. Maybe a slightly bigger challenge for Georgia because its start is at noon, Uh, much earlier against Arkansas. You've heard the push from Kirby Smart on this all week. We've been playing you that audio. I thought it was great yesterday on social media where the Georgia video crew got with a bunch of the Georgia players. And they've all been doing this acronym thing this week about being elite fans. And honestly, I'm not great at like saying what all the letters in a lead are supposed to stand for but the players themselves were really good at at, at doing this uh I'll let you hear a little bit of this as Georgia much like Alabama's pushing its fans against Ole Miss Georgia continues to make that push for its fans against Arkansas for the early start on Saturday here are some Georgia players on that
2: Early, loud, all red, intense, and electric. Let's go. Hey, man, say, man, we need y'all elite this week for the game, man. Yeah. We need y'all early, loud, intense, tough, and electric, man. Just get out there and get it. Yes. Hey, Dog Nation, we need you there. Early, loud, intense, tough, electric. We need y'all to be elite on Saturday.
0: Go, Dog. Short to the game. It's going down. 12 o'clock, Saturday. Dog versus the Hogs. Let's get it. So let's see if I have this correct. The first E stands for early. The second one stands for loud. The uh, the I is intense. The uh, wait, yeah. The, the T stands for what does the T stand for? Um, oh Lord! <laughs> you can tell the Georgia players have their game face on better than I do. Let me see if I can hear that one more time so I can make sure I get these letters right. Can you play that clip again? Uh, let me, let, let's see if we can get all these letters right. Uh, go ahead and do that again. Early, loud,
1: already intense. Let's, let's go. Hey, man, say, man, we need y'all elite this week for the game, man. Yeah. We need y'all early, loud, intense, tough, and electric. Man. All
0: right, that's it. You can, can stop games. it now. Woo! You can stop it now. So the T is for tough, and the final E is for electric. So this is what it is. Can we can we zoom in this for a second uh, on this other camera? Can we do that? Early, loud, intense, tough and electric that's the challenge from the Georgia players Kirby Smart's kind of done a similar thing there pushing those Georgia players to be those Georgia fans to be early, loud, intense, tough, and electric. Now, if you need more motivation on this, you get this in, in the and in the fact that Alabama's trying to push its fans to be loud against Ole Miss there as well. Which crowd will be louder? Is it Georgia with the slight disadvantage of having to do it at noon? Or is it Alabama doing their thing there uh, at, at, at 2.30 Central Time, 3.30 Eastern there at Bryant-Denny Stadium? Why? Wow. I get the impression the Georgia crowd's going to be ready to go. I, I get the impression that by 10.30 in the morning tomorrow, stadium is going to be, certainly from a student section standpoint, full. Georgia fans themselves going to be – look, this is going to be the craziest, like – you know how like the Ryder Cup, you got like the the people around the first tee and they're already just getting after it like 6 in the morning sometimes? I, I think it's going to be very, very similar thing in Athens tomorrow. Uh, I have no concern about the crowd whatsoever. Uh, we've had some of our people saying it's going to be the greatest noon game crowd of all time. I sort of get the impression that's kind of the way we're heading on all of this. And if you need more motivation to to get out there and truly get that done, go be a better crowd on national TV tomorrow than alabama is going to be even in a better tv window i think that's a good level of motivation there too and it should be fun to see all of this plays out my name is brandon adams and this is dog nation daily the daily podcast for georgia bulldogs fans presented by kroger we're going to do our part to be early loud intense tough and electric on today's show there as well And of course glad to have all of you with us Whether you got going at 9.45, see early starts aren't a big deal for us we get going pretty early around here. Even before the regular show begins, 9.45 for our first and 15 at dognation.com and on the Dog Nation app. Of course, all the other video channels as well. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, of course, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref. A podcast wherever you find them, the Apple, Spotify, uh, Google Player for the Android folks. A lot of you listen right there on SoundCloud, which is cool with me. Post the show each and every day at the worldfamousdognation.com. However, you're getting to us. We just really appreciate you being here. Fun stuff all the way around. And a big thanks to our friends at Kroger, also making it all possible there as well. And Kroger's got some devilishly good things as you head towards uh, Halloween. You can save 30% off right now on decor and on candy and all the trick-or-treating needs right there at uh, Kroger for all of that. My kids love Kroger and Halloween because, like, at the store close to us, like the whole like middle section of the store is basically turned into kind of like a Halloween section. And my, my kids love that. It's a big tradition for us to like just go over there and like fill up two shopping carts with candy and everything else. So, Kroger.com/halloween for more on that. Kroger.com/halloween for more on that. I legitimately am blown away by the list of elite visitors that's still by by the way being added to. Blown away by the list of elite visitors who are expected to be on tap for Georgia against Arkansas tomorrow. Now, some of this is just based on luck. It just so happens that IMG Academy is not playing, so that works out well for guys like Bear Alexander, who recently transferred there, and Kamari Wilson and others. But some of this is just old fashioned, like, you know, elbow grease. Like, Georgia has worked hard to get these guys to to show up early and be a part of that. So we'll do all of this with Jeff Sintel here coming up in just a moment Uh, on the road with him, assisted by AAA. Big update on the recruiting landscape. Jeff was also on the road last week speaking to a big-time five-star name. We'll get some stuff on Jeff uh, about Luther Burden here coming up in just a moment, too. Before that, though, Let's go around the doghouse, and it's presented today by Marco's Pizza, delivered by our friends at Marco's Pizza, and this is kind of off the beaten path a little bit, but I do think it's somewhat relevant because of how much it's been talked about. There is a lot of chatter about Clemson right now, and the thing that I'm getting from the Georgia fans who are either reaching out to me on social media or those who are commenting in our comment sections each day at dognation.com, the sense that I'm getting is, is that Georgia fans don't quite know how to feel about all of this. Like, on the one hand, normally Georgia fans would love the idea that Clemson's being trashed by the media because I think there are some Georgia fans who feel like that over the years Clemson may have been unfairly praised just on the 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 basis of the fact they were beaten up on a pillow-soft ACC to obtain the status that they've kind of established for themselves around college football. But in this particular year, you've got Georgia with a what at the time was thought to be a marquee win versus the Tigers – that now seems somewhat devalued in the eyes of the media. And I think that there are some Georgia fans who are a little bit confused about that. Let me give you an example. This is from the show Get Up on ESPN. They bring Paul Feinbaum uh, in. Producers tell him what to say, and he goes out there and reads the script about, you know, whatever you know they want to say, including ripping Clemson pretty hard. Uh, on one of this week's shows because it's lost NC State. It was kind of ugly against Georgia Tech. Clearly couldn't move the football at all uh, against Georgia. And Feinbaum went hard on Clemson on uh, one of the shows this week, which certainly got the attention of some Georgia fans. This is Feinbaum.
1: Dabo's dynasty is done. Oh. I do not like anything I see there. They, they've lost one coach a couple of years ago to you as Seth. I think that was a big loss. This is a staff that has always been together, but I think it's getting stale. Yes, recruiting is still good, but will it be elite after what we just got through watching Greeny? It just doesn't look like Clemson is part of the cool kids anymore, and I think they're going to pay for it in recruiting, and they play in a terrible league, which will hurt them even more.
0: So... Paul Weinbaum says the Clemson dynasty is done. They're no longer elite. They are no longer, as he said, sitting at the cool kids' table anymore on all this. And there's, a, I think, a knee-jerk reaction from some Georgia fans of, okay, now they trash Clemson now that Georgia's beaten them. But here's what I'm here to tell you. If you're a Georgia fan, you want to be loving all of this. You really should. And you shouldn't be worried for one second how it potentially devalues the win you've already gotten. I think it's a mistake for Georgia fans to be looking in the rearview mirror on this. In other words, who you've played isn't as important as how you're playing right now. And Georgia's status as a championship contender is going to be proven in games going forward, including the one against Arkansas on Saturday. But there is also a need to kind of keep your eye on big picture stuff in college football there as well. And you heard Feinbaum say this at the end of that clip, that what Clemson's currently experiencing is going to hurt them in recruiting. And Recruiting is a zero-sum game. Bad news for one of my regional rivals is good news for me, at least potentially. And Georgia, I believe, could be in a very, very strong position to take full advantage of the fact that Clemson has at least slipped some from its perch and maybe fallen off completely. Let me give you another example of this here real quick. Let's think about the name Arch Manning for a moment. Elite quarterback from the class of 2023, famous last name. Jeff wrote about him this week at dognation.com. Arch was at Georgia a couple of weeks ago for the game, and clearly Georgia is one of the teams in the recruiting, recruiting battle for Manning right now. Arch came up this week on SEC Country Live. I brought on Richard Cross, who's kind of an insider to the Ole Miss program. Ole Miss is one of the teams that's also in the recruitment for uh, Manning as well. But in talking to Richard about Arch Manning, Listen to what Richard says about Clemson possibly being influenced by some of the same stuff that caused Feinbaum a moment ago to say what he said. If you're a Georgia fan the demise of Clemson if it truly is happening I promise you this is nothing but good news for you even if it seems to somewhat devalue the win you got in week one. Let me give you an example from an old Miss insider on SEC Country Live this week.
2: I honestly think that you've only got four programs that are legitimately in it. I, I think it's Alabama and Texas and Georgia and Ole Miss, uh, you know. I mean, I know there are people that want to say, "Yeah," but his mom went to Virginia. Come on, Marsh he's not going to Virginia. <laughs> um, you know, Clemson. I, I don't know. It feels. It all of a sudden feels like there's kind of a weird vibe with Clemson, mm-hmm. and and why are you going to go to the ACC? I mean, there, there's one thing that those four programs have in common: they either are SEC teams or are going to be SEC teams. Uh, the Mannings strike me very much as a an SEC family.
0: So keep this in mind, guy living in Oxford, Mississippi, who has no dog in this fight, other than, you know, obviously the Ole Miss part of this, but looking at Clemson saying, boy, that's a weird vibe right now. Something's kind of strange over there. You no longer have the kind of elite characteristics that Clemson once thought it had. So I got to tell you, as someone who wants the best for Georgia and wants the worst for those that stand in Georgia's way... I don't mind seeing Clemson getting trashed right now. I don't really care what it leads some people to believe about the win that Georgia got week one. Georgia got the win. It put it in its back pocket. Now it's moving on. The only things I'm concerned about right now are the wins Georgia's about to get and – when some of that kind of stuff is going to happen on the recruiting trail, the potential erosion of the Clemson program makes some of those recruiting victories a little easier, maybe after all of this. That is Around the doghouse. It's delivered today by our friends at Marco's Pizza. And of course, you know, one of the things about Marco's Pizza that I love is the great care they take to make every pizza taste great. And it looks great, too. When I'm watching this video, it's always around this time each and every you know time we talk about the show where I'm getting pretty hungry for lunch and things like that. And you see that golden brown crust you know baked so perfectly each and every time with that great three cheeses melted on top those old world toppings kind of guy I, I like the pepperoni, I like the sauce. I like as many of those kind of toppings as I can get. Not as many of the green toppings, to be completely frank, but uh, the, the 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 meaty toppings, I'll take all those. You want to give me on all that, and Marco's Pizza's got plenty of that for you there. And of course, they've also offering great savorings uh, savings there as well. The mouth watering pizza, mouth watering savings, uh, it's all a perfect blend, including the bundle right now of a large one topping pizza, the pizza bowl, which is like the pizza flavor without the crust and the cheesy bread. It's all just twenty one ninety nine. It's twenty one ninety nine. that'll get you great savings at marco's pizza of course participation may vary so check the store closest to you for more details on that you can find it at marco's.com the marco's app marco's pizza pizza lovers get it marco's will also be with us for our dog nation post game show on saturday they always bring the marco's pizza moment of the game there and we'll uh, give them a chance to honor another georgia performer on saturday what we hope is a big win for the dogs against the hogs so we'll look forward to seeing marco's pizza for our dog nation post game show tomorrow and as all of you are enjoying some football here this weekend don't forget to make marco's pizza a big part of that all right before we're done i've got some of the best golden shoes that we've had this this week has been just overwhelming by the quality of the golden shoe submissions so we'll share some of those and have some fun on the way out the door i told you there's also controversy some of it somewhat substantial some of it just a little bit silly but still it involves a lot of georgia rivals who are playing big games here this weekend in the sec we'll touch all those bases before we're done but the thing i know you want to know about What's the current state of the elite list of visitors expected to be a part of the elite crowd? The, what was it, early, loud, intense, tough, and electric? The fans who are there to do that are doing it in part so the recruits can be impressed. Exactly who are all those recruits? Let's find out now as we go on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Centel right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Well, say hello to Jeff Centel on the road, assisted by AAA. Jeff, I know you wrote about this this week. I think the list has probably been you know, updated some since then, especially Elite 2023 name, names I'm hearing kind of added to all of this, and I'm sure you'll tell us about that. But I think it's really pretty remarkable just how substantial this list is with big names given the challenge of – high school football on a friday night at least for a lot of these you know players not all of them but a lot of them high school football on a friday night early wake-up call to be over in Athens, and yet it's still looking like it's going to be really just a who's who, an all-star team's worth of prospects sitting over there in that West End zone. I think Georgia deserves a lot of credit if they truly pull this off to the magnitude it seems like they're going to, to make the dreadful noon start into a big-time atmosphere and a real epicenter for elite recruiting activity. Boy, fun to think about how that's about to unfold.
2: Man, it's funny the the words you're using, epicenter and um, storm. You know, it's got me thinking that I want you, I want everybody out there to picture this. Is picture me right now as your favorite meteorologist, and I got to say that there's a storm coming from Fayetteville, and it, it, there's there's also a front coming from ING Academy in Bradenton, Florida, and it just feels like all this stuff is coming together for Kirby Smart. One. Sam Pittman had a great ball team he's coming in that would be a top-ten team, which would, which would attract ESPN game day, college game day. Um, the national attention will be on this game, even if it's at noon for a kickoff. Um, I think that's very important because this is going to be the signature, really, the signature recruiting event of the Georgia uh, of the Georgia home season when you have big crowd, big spotlight, big opponent, all that stuff. Now, combine that with this pressure coming from IMG, Brandon, it's really fortuitous. IMG, which probably has maybe, uh, an, again, another three or four potential Bulldogs on that team in multiple classes, and they have an off week this week, Brandon, and I don't know whether Kirby Smart is living right or it's Coach Cooper, the, the new recruiting coordinator, director of recruiting that's living right, but somehow all of these things are coming together where, man, the noon start doesn't matter. Um Georgia is again a destination and it's almost to the point Brandon where these are these are rich program problems but I'm wondering now that there's so many recruits in town for this game that I'm wondering how can they give them all the attention that maybe they so richly deserve to kind of either close or flip or really get back into things with a lot of these guys it's a lot of guys and it's a lot of guys that deserve like that A1A premium attention from the Bulldogs. and maybe the best thing about the noon kick is that they're gonna have about four or five hours with every kid after the game to really relax and get to know them and chill um, after the ball game's over on a Saturday night.
0: Yeah, I said this before our show began to uh, a portion of our video audience that you know there's so many like all access style documentaries now, you know, documentary style shows, whether it be the SEC network, HBO, places like that, that one of them I'd love to see is if they ever would allow it, is how the recruiting apparatus works in a weekend like this, because it takes a lot of organizational structure to get this many guys to show up. But a- a- as you said, like one of the things I think we hear from time to time, kind of you know behind the scenes, is it is a logistical nightmare to make everybody feel loved when they do come in. Now, Georgia, to its credit, pulls it off really well. I don't know that all programs do, but when it comes to face-to-face attention, the definition of that means that you're only giving it to one person at one time, which means that you know on a day like this there are 30 guys you're not giving face-to-face love to at one particular time and you know Kirby is very comfortable in an environment like that because he's you know obviously so energetic that that you know his he's just gonna engine's gonna run until he takes care of everybody but but there are a lot of coaches who I don't think are quite as comfortable in this kind of scenario where you got to get them there but then you got to make them feel loved while they are there I'd love to be a fly on the wall or just see a documentary one day about the apparatus for kind of how all of this gets done because I think if fans could see it, I think they'd be just blown away by the, by the precision of it all.
2: You know, really, Brandon, he lives for it. Um, I think it'd be hard to all-access document all of that because you know how it is. You can't publicize recruiting visits. Maybe they can let the, let the tape come out after the young men have signed with Georgia. But um, aside from him calling on the McGill Society to, to try to figure out a way to get a retractable roof so those red lights and darkness could happen inside Sanford Stadium, I think he's got just about everything he would want for this game. Let me share a little bit of insight, because I don't know if everybody out there knows how this works, or have, have we, we've ever really talked about it on your program before. But So here's a good example. So the South Carolina game, I don't know if folks know this, but... There's a signed seating now for the West End Zone. It wasn't by some circumstance that Anai White out of, out of Philadelphia was in the front row. Uh, and then if Georgia scored a touchdown, there could be some um, spontaneous interaction with that end zone. It wasn't, it wasn't just by some stroke of genius that Arch Manning and his family were there in that front row as well. The row behind them was Reuben Owens, the five-star running back out of Texas. Malachi Starks, Georgia's five-star commitment, was in that second row of the other side. Um, and then you look on the other side of the West End Zone portal, and you see Bo Hughley on that side, who would commit to Georgia in a couple of weeks, uh, maybe a matter of days. Like, a lot of that stuff is really a side seating. I even go back to how hard of a ticket that is. I go back to the, um, the Notre Dame game, Brandon, in 2019, and it's in my mind's eye where I remember – that uh you know gunner Stockton, everyone knows how big of a recruit he was in twenty nineteen for everybody, and gunner Stockton was like in the way upper bleachers, like he wasn't even um in the section that was eye level with the tunnel where the the smoke comes out, meanwhile, side road Georgia has upgraded that by about a thousand percent the type of smoke when they come out of that tunnel now, but I think Gunner was up in maybe. The very high row bleachers, I mean, that's where a 2022 recruit in the 2019 season, that was kind of the pecking order, and now Gunner's a guy that's much closer down in the front rows. But, man, what they're going to do with all these guys, probably one of the most interesting things for me is you wonder how prioritized guys are. You can just look at the seating chart and see how close they are to the field.
0: No, that's really interesting. Uh, um, all right, let me, you're talking about giving an entirely new hierarchy to all of this. That's, that's actually really interesting to consider there. Okay, we can't spend any long amount of time on any one name. You know, guys like Kamari Wilson and Barry Alexander, I think we've talked about before uh, a lot before. So let me focus on a couple of guys we maybe talked about a little bit less. When I think about a guy like Shamar Stewart, who's expected to be there, who's also been closely connected to Miami. Jeff, Miami's a disaster. I mean, a disaster of the highest order. Is is Georgia's chances of a guy like Stewart now better because of the the Florida native looking at that Miami program and just not seeing much? At least that's my presumption. You wouldn't see much when you look at a place like that. Is it as simple as that when it comes to a guy like Stewart?
2: I think there's a telltale sign there for Tyreek Stevenson, Brandon. Um, You know, Tyreek made his own decision. He wanted to come back home and be close to mom and family and maybe rep the U and kind of restore that brand. But I I'm sure some folks it's not lost on some folks that Tyreek Stevenson is playing on that Miami defense last night when he could be playing on this Georgia defense this weekend. Um, Sometimes that, that other side of the, the that grass is not always greener on the other side of the road, but you know, these young men have the ability to make those adult responsible ownership decisions on their own. And then they have to kind of, you know, endure or live through or just ride with the consequences. Um, you look at a lot of these guys, Shamar, I think he's going to make a couple more visits to Georgia and other schools regardless. A couple of names that intrigue me uh, is, you know, Brandon, there's the strong possibility, and I know how you love for us to talk about receivers, Andre Green Jr. might very well be in Ooh the boy. house on Saturday. Oh, boy. Coming out of Virginia, you know, you want to talk about... Maybe, maybe a little bit of a, a little bit of a chink in the armor. Well, Clemson is not as bulletproof as it used to be, and indestructible as it used to be. Oh yeah, Georgia, Georgia. There, I mean, you know, Brandon. The thought of Andre Green Jr. and a Luther Burton in the class at receiver. I mean, that, that was that would be really everything besides a couple of high-profile offensive linemen. That would kind of be a dream class amid the dream class. And I think Georgia has always been there, you know, first, second, third, toss them all up and, you know, throw them all up in the air. I think they've always been there with Andre Green Jr. The expectation is Jaheim Singletary will also be there, the five-star cornerback nice. out of Jacksonville. Brandon, I don't know how all these recruits can get there by 11. I don't want to hear anybody in Dog Nation any of our social streaming programs complaining about the kick time. If all these recruits who had football games on Friday nights can somehow get – get to Athens that quickly. Um, Jonel Aguero, this is a guy that's a 2023 safety out of IMG Academy. Uh, he has a 4.38 laser time. He is excelling at IMG Academy now. Uh, came out of Massachusetts much like Louis Cine. He goes back and forth and vibes a little bit with Louis Lewisine Louis Cine, talked to him on his recruiting trip, and I thought it was very eye-catching how uh, Louis Cine, uh tweeted out this summer Uh, actually uh, on a Dog Nation story about Aguero, that he said that Jonel Aguero will be better than him in college. Quite a stark statement right there from a young man. that might be working his way into a second-round draft slot, at least uh, for the Georgia Bulldogs in this season. And the the names, man, they just keep coming and coming. And we got to have the obligatory Bear Alexander thing because, Brandon, he's still uncommitted. Yep. He's no longer in the state of Texas. He can't go visit College Station every other weekend. Texas A&M, the bloom is a little bit off the 12th man rose there as well. Um, Georgia just keeps to seem to be adding and absorbing more strength as the season goes along. And lest we forget, he was committed for some time. He really still loves Georgia and the program and the people there. Um, this will be his first time in Sanford Stadium for a ball game. And uh, I think everybody's going to know who Big Bear Alexander is. So that's another another very huge visit for Georgia in the class of 2022. I
0: want to do two other names here, very very quickly, because you also kind of touched on this with a theme a moment ago. If we're taking advantage, or if you're looking at Georgia taking advantage of you know possible erosion with Clemson, another name that you had on your graphic a moment ago that we showed on the screen here is the 2023 five star Victor Burley and. Jeff, you know, Burley and Georgia, as you've, you know, kind of touched on, they haven't always seemed all that deeply connected. Burley seems to have a lot of affection from Clemson, just kind of following the stuff on social media and things like that. Um, you know, he's the kind of guy that Georgia is going after as of late. One of those five stars who's kind of also kind of a team captain type. That's what I think of Jalen Walker as being. That's what I think of Malachi Starks as being. You know, having spent some time around the Warner Robins program last week, I, I can tell you that they. Will attest not just Burley's, you know, playing skills, but you know this as well. They attest to his character there too. This is a this is a big time 2023 name, and when I see him added to the list to go along with all the other, you know, 2022s, of course, you know, uh, LT Overton, other big names in 2023 there as well. But but when I think about a guy like Burley, who George is trying to get back in on or get in deeper with, I mean, to me, this game creates a great opportunity for a guy like that there as well.
2: Yeah, Middle George is finest. I love that story we shared on the. Street tv broadcast last week about maybe one of the coolest stops he's ever made is burley was was one of his coaches saw him on the security cameras and uh the, the national anthem was playing in the hallway burley stops and then there's a young man that's kind of you know progressing down the hallway right by him and burley sticks out that big palm and kind of stops him in his tracks and he's like all right fella you and i are going to pay respect to our country right here with this national anthem and we're going to wait we're going to wait in the hallway and give respect to the United States of America. Lots of stories like that about Victor Burley. He was part of the homecoming court last weekend for that big Lee County game. Made a couple of pressures in the game. Got involved on the quarterback. Harassed uh, the pocket for a very good Lee County team with a lot of really good size up front. And man, I mean, Burley. You know, and it's almost to the point. And I, I hope folks will not think I'm sitting here and trying to trying to entertain the choir, but. You look at 2023 defensive ends, man, and there are guys like Kelby Collins. There's a guy like LT Overton that I think will eventually be a three-to-five technique. But you know, Kelby Collins and you know Victor Burley. There's a lot of names, man. Um, there's a guy coming in from Tallahassee this weekend that I'm going to be interested in seeing. Raylan Wilson, a linebacker that's about that's about you know 230 pounds that is running right around 11.5 or 11.15 in the 100 meters. It's a point, Brandon, where it's almost Georgia has a chance to select a lot of these guys rather than hope that they put in a good push and the pitch works and everything germinates. I mean, uh, and Brandon, I can't let this segment in without mentioning Kamari Wilson. Sure. Uh, Georgia could lose up to four safeties uh, off this team when you think Chris Smith, you think Lewis Seen, you think Tykee Smith, you think Latrevious Brini. Um, and that certainly creates a need. I know David Daniels there, Javon Billers, Bullards look great. I know that uh, Kamari Lassiter's look great. Some of those guys that could be interchangeable like a Brini or interchangeable like a Chris Smith. But Kamari Wilson is a different dude. He is a guy, number one safety in the country, IMG Academy, top two, top 20 prospect. Georgia's been after him for quite some time. You've also got a Florida Gator. Who oh, has yeah. A 10-5-5 commitment coming in. I mean, it's almost like too much. It's like, you know, when you're, you're at Thanksgiving with your grandma and she breaks out the pecan pie that she wasn't supposed to bring out or the lemon bar cookies or red velvet cake, you're just like, this is just way, 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 way too much. The, the storylines here. The guys in town, again, for a noon game, it, 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 there's been a bigger game, Brandon. I'm going to be real. I'm in, I can remember 2018 Auburn, 2019 Notre Dame. There's been more five stars, more top 125 guys in town. But for noon, for an Arkansas game, uh, this is pretty sporty this weekend.
0: Last recruit I want to mention. i got a couple of things I want to ask you about in addition to this. But the last recruit that's, I, I think expected to visit this weekend that I want to ask you about because I think he's kind of a bellwether recruit as he goes. I think it tells you how other names kind of go for this 2022 class. You reported earlier this week that Mikael Williams is expected to be on hand coming up from Columbus for that one. To me, this is a real good indicator that what looked like lack of momentum for recruiting for Georgia in the summertime was a little bit of a false negative there on that. Williams, who is at least officially for the moment a USC commit, his presence, the friends that he has that are also elite 2022 recruits, I mean, it just kind of suggests that there could be a lot moving behind the scenes as Mikael Williams goes.
2: Yeah, Brandon, I think when we write the 2022 recruiting story that we write the day after, the week after, where we try to tell a lot of the things that maybe we're, the better time to discuss those was in February rather than, you know, July, October, November. Um, I think two words are going to be prevalent in that storyline in and that, in that narrative is erosion. I think that was a good word you used earlier. You got your inner geologist cranking away right there. And amplification, you know, the erosion of USC in Michael Williams' case, the amplification of Georgia uh, in another case. But it's been no secret that Michael Williams, Tyree West, uh, Christian Miller, those guys really always wanted to play together. Uh, There was varying degrees of evaluation. There was varying degrees of love, uh, Georgia, across all three of those guys. And sometimes they just wanted to see those guys in camp. They wanted to see them work. I thought it was interesting. We told a story on dog com about what happens when Georgia doesn't get a recruit. And Michael Williams had a really good window into that where Georgia heard about it. And they were like trying to get him to, um, trying to get him to hold off, trying to get him to wait. Um, you know, they were kind of, you know, some of Mikel Williams told me that some of the, those hardworking ladies in the recruiting office were almost to tears because he was choosing someone else. Well, as we all know, uh, what happens two and a half years ago and two and a half months ago in recruiting usually feels like two and a half years ago in recruiting. And Michael Williams will be in Athens on Saturday for a potentially very impactful visit. Christian Miller won't be there. He'll be at homecoming. Uh, the recent Cedar Grove, 2023 commitment, Kyan Lee will be there. Such a great pickup for Georgia over the last week. I hope folks, uh, I hope folks, you know, digested that as is a guy that could start for multiple years at Georgia once he gets things rolling and that's saying quite a lot with all the dogs on that defense
0: yeah we'll get Um, more into him coming up in a moment here yeah for sure
2: I mean it really is I mean I use the word constellation a lot but man this is like an astronomer's delight there's going to be so many stars in town um for the uh noon kickoff we can say this Brandon this is the best recruiting visit weekend for a noon kickoff in Georgia football history
0: all right there's a few more names I want to mention with you including the recent Georgia commit as I said before let me first though remind folks it's on the road assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel here today and of course AAA we think about them when it comes to roadside assistance I'm traveling a lot on the weekends I'm happy to have AAA in my back pocket everywhere that I go but also AAA can be a tremendous resource as well for you when it comes to life insurance and listen that's also something I take very seriously I've got a spouse I've got a wife I've got kids it's my responsibility with my income to help take care uh, of of all of them and you know while it's not always a pleasant thing to think about I I do spend some time thinking about what would happen if I was gone what would happen if my income went away how would I you know uh, make sure that my family was taken care of if, if I wasn't around anymore to be able to do that it's one of the things that makes just kind of a man's responsibility right it's a person's responsibility when it comes to a life insurance and all of that and that's what AAA can do for you they've got a very friendly financial uh, services associates that can explain all your options and make you help you make the best decision that you possibly can so a lot of different ways for you to reach out and get in touch you can give them a call 866-695-0222 that's 866-695-0222. You can just stop by a AAA office and talk to them today. Or you can go online It's aaa.com slash live, aaa.com slash live for more information on that. All right, Jeff, uh, a couple of things here. You mentioned Lee a moment ago. Cedar Grove is a deep program as there exists in the Atlanta area right now, certainly at least when it comes to the uh, top-end talent. Also one of those bedrock-type guys that – that you're going to need for 2023 class lockdown defensive back the way that he has a chance to be tell us a little bit more here about what Georgia is getting in kyan lee
2: yeah I, i think this is a guy that um he makes the the most important things important uh he's he's centered on faith he's centered on family he's centered on football very physical brandon he was on a team last year at cedar grove where they were I counted them up. They were nine kind of power five potential players on that defense, and he was 155 pounds, you know, soaked in Gatorade, uh, and he was the region defensive player of the year. Christian Miller, all American defensive tackle in his own right, one year older than Kayan Lee, uh, Kay and Lee, and he basically said that kid was the best player on the defense. Um, they call him Big Play K. Uh, the the 2023 recruits the commitments already really love them very quietly george is already putting together a uh, a a dog of a secondary for the 2023 cycle everybody needs dbs um oh and brandon i gotta have a quick pause for the cause somewhere in gainesville there are some gator tears right now because uh julian humphrey he calls himself julio humphrey out of uh, clear lake high school in houston texas Really, just tweeted out that he's in town right now. He's that? in Athens right now on his official visit. Uh, already there uh, for a weekend, and man, he's going to get there early. He's going to get to see a whole lot of good stuff over the next forty-eight hours in Athens. And that's a Florida commitment. Brandon, ten-point-five-five speed, top one hundred and twenty-five overall recruit. Yep. He was feeling kind of high and mighty about the Gators after that Alabama performance, and it'd be very interesting to see what. 48 hours in Athens means to his recruiting process once this weekend is over. All
0: right, it's turning into a marathon here, so let's do these last two pretty quick. And, you know, we'll obviously, you know, keep these conversations on going for the next few weeks. You had a big update this week on Christian Miller. That's a guy that's friends with Mikael Williams, we talked about a little earlier. Another one of these guys that seems to be kind of trending back towards George at the right time. Give me a brief thumbnail on where things stand with Miller here at the moment. By the way, a high school teammate of yeah. yeah, yeah
2: funny that social media gestures going around right now is George is going to try it and do the Cedar Grove sweep with C.J. Madden, who just picked up his fourth star from 24-7 sports this week, Kyan Lee, Kyan Lee, and then you've got Christian Miller. Now, Miller's had a little bit of evolution with his decision. He's not going to early enrollee, he's not going to sign during the early period, but he is going to commit at the All-American Bowl in San Antonio on January the 7th. Um, and George has really made made a strong move with him. Amplification of Christian Miller, that certainly that buzzword would describe what's going on with his recruitment. He had a great visit um, in July. He had a great sp- experience as a spectator only for the Clemson game. And then it really just floored him, Brandon. I think his description of what it means to see the red lights in person in Athens live was probably one of the most, candid and in one of the most clever ways i've ever heard a recruit describe it i think georgia and a high state that's simply going to be the decision here he's going to keep an official visit to georgia in his back pocket and i think georgia has really made a move there with christian miller who i think has to be one of the bell cow uh, commitments for the bulldogs in this class for georgia to have the best possible um group of uh future Future Bulldogs in the 2022 cycle,
0: and then finally, there's this. Last weekend, you spent some time over in East St. Louis with uh, Luther Burden, the five-star wide receiver. That's obviously a huge name to know. He's actually getting close to a to a decision here coming up there as well. How did you find Mr. Burden last week, and where do you think the dog stand in that recruitment?
2: Yeah, yeah. So many great stories. I got to get up on the side about Luther Burden the third. There's really one good one involving. Ernest Graham, Ernest Green the uh, when those two guys met up, uh, when St. John Bosco played East St. Louis. Brennan, in a couple of weeks, you want to talk about an epicenter for Georgia recruiting on a Friday. Luther Burden and his East St. Louis Flyers. Brennan, you're going to have to bear with all those highlights of East St. Louis because with the, with, the, with the logo, there's a lot of orange and blue. Huh. There's a big F that's on their helmet sometimes. You're just going to have to deal with it, but very strong contender Georgia is now it's really between Georgia and Missouri he's going to visit Missouri uh, for North Texas next week and then he's going to come in for an official visit to Georgia on October the 16th centered around the Kentucky weekend it will be the last official visit for LB3 Luther Burden the third before he makes his decision on October 19th
0: Jeff tremendous stuff we'll look forward to reading a lot more from you about Burden at dognation.com we appreciate being here on the road assisted by AAA. Enjoy the weekend, enjoy the game on Saturday, and we'll look forward to getting a chance to speak to you soon.
2: Hey, Brandon, we'll see you at Eagles landing tonight, buddy.
0: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Let's not forget about that. Big game tonight between Elka and Trinity Christian there as well. Thank you for the reminder on that, Jeff.
2: Yes, sir,
1: man. Let's take a look around the rest of the league.
0: This is SEC Through. All right, uh, tremendous there with uh, Jeff Sintel. Good stuff all the way around. Let me bring the music down just a little bit for right now. Let me also remind you, as you're getting ready for the weekend, looking to make it as fun as you possibly can, how about my friends at Classic City Lager for all of that? You know, it's just good cold beer, right? You're getting ready for an early tailgate on Saturday. Classic City Lager pairs very well with your eggs, your bacon, your sausage, whatever you're doing, your breakfast sandwich. However you got that all going on, Classic City Lager goes great with that. It's a taste of Athens, but you don't have to be in Athens to get it. You can get some take it with you to Athens, of course, for your tailgate. But pretty much any way you want to enjoy this, it's just a good cold beer. Six-packs, 12-pack cans. Uh, whatever you're doing your shopping you can find some it's a lager style beer lighter uh, in, in color but no sacrifice in flavor it's a craft style lager that means the great folks at creature comforts brewing company that work so hard to make some of your favorite craft beers already uh, classic city lager kind of the next in line and all of that i love it anybody that i know that's tried it they love it there too a lot of you are already kind of familiar with it anyway get some for your tailgate this weekend get some for whatever you're doing on the weekend watching pro football on sunday or just anything else the rest of the weekend back patio front porch, whatever else classic city lager is perfect for this time of year so find somewhere if you're doing your shopping today it is good cold beer all right for sec through today we're gonna do something we don't always do i want to play some audio here for a little bit so let's go ahead and bring the music down on that so we can uh, let you hear some of this i told you before there was controversy Around a couple of spots in the SEC. One of these may be more serious, one of these a little sillier. Let's start with the silly one at first because it puts Dan Mullen in kind of an uncomfortable spotlight, and I am always a fan of that. So, Mullen this week was asked about one of the top players in the Kentucky roster, Wandell Robinson. And Mullen kind of got frozen in his tracks for a moment because he didn't recognize Robinson's name. Now, Mullen had a reason for not recognizing his name. Judge for yourself how all of this goes when it comes to Mullen, the reporter, and the Kentucky player Wandale Robinson. Here is Dan Mullen. Take a listen to this. And then uh, Wandale Robinson, specifically, what what is he doing for them? Which one? What number?
2: Oh, God. You uh, got
0: me on the spot. I know numbers. You know what I'm okay. saying? Yeah. He's number one. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. I think doing it, Yep. Yeah. So uh, in this particular case, so Mullen's like, I don't know names, I just know numbers. And in, in a roundabout right way, I, I sort of, f- I guess, understand where Mullen's coming from this. But listen, I mean, I have a hard time with names as it is. Trust me, you know, getting ready for high school games on Friday. I'm just studying names over and over again. Uh, all the guys in the SEC we got to try to keep up with. And, and frankly, I'm not always great remembering all the names either. But here's the point with Mullen. You got to play it off better than this. You know, you can't get so deer in headlights when when the guy asks you about a name. Just kind of say something that, you know, sounds good and then pivot and talk about whatever you want to. That's how you got to handle that in the moment. You can't be like, "Who is that again?" Now, never heard of that guy. You can't be doing that kind of stuff. I think it's also unfair to ask reporters, on top of everything else, now have to memorize every number of every player in the SEC. If that's the new standard for press conference questions, coach, can you talk about number twenty three on the defense for, uh, like, you know? I just think asking reporters to remember numbers is a little bit tricky. Here, you know. Uh, You're not asking uh, the coach remember all the names, just one or two names of the very best players. To me, this just just sort of goes to show you the lack of street smarts that Mullen has, the fact that he kind of gets tripped up by the reporter on this. Just pretend like you know who it is, say something complimentary, and then move on. That's what a normal person would do in that. But uh, Mullen finds a way, seemingly, to make everything awkward, and maybe other SEC coaches doing what they can to stir the pot on this a bit. Shane Beamer was appearing at the SEC teleconference this week uh south carolina plays troy on saturday by the way south carolina only about a seven point favorite over a troy team that lost louisiana monroe last week one of the worst teams in the country so be very careful with a very odd looking spread there but the point is Beamer was asked about one of the Troy players. I'll show you the quote here on the screen because I didn't get a chance to record this. He says, um, and Football Scoop had this, he says, I don't want to create a Dan Mullen situation here, a firestorm, when speaking about the uh, Troy player going on to say, I also know numbers, I don't know names. So I'm sure if you're Dan Mullen, you're like, Shane Beamer, can you keep my name out of your mouth here for a moment? Why are you trying to stir this up and make this even worse? All of a sudden now it's being defined as a Dan Mullen situation and a firestorm. Good for Beamer on that. Beamer's turned out to be a pretty good little personality here. His description of the Georgia defense was very funny the other day. And stirring the pot here with Mullen, you know we like that around here. So all of that is pretty good. So that's kind of a silly controversy involving an SEC coach here this week. Let me give you a little bit more serious one. I told you uh, to begin the week that good coaches don't fire assistants in the middle of the season. That kind of comes across as kind of cheap scapegoating. It makes you seem out of control. And if that's true for any coach, it's especially true for coaches who just got the job coaches who are brand new to the SEC with legitimate questions about how they can handle the pressure cooker of down here in this part of the country in this conference when you've been mostly in kind of the sleepy big sky area of the country at a place like Boise State where they just don't do it at the same way they do it down here. A lot of folks have wondered how Brian Harsin was going to handle that and I think it makes Harsin seem beneath the standard of the job when he's firing his wide receivers coach Cornelius Williams after a kind of as a knee-jerk reaction to a game closer than it should have been against Georgia State there on Saturday, and he got – unmercifully criticized by former Auburn offensive coordinator Tony Franklin who sort of weirdly has a podcast like everybody has a podcast now including a former Auburn offensive coordinator and you know Franklin in in the podcast that this clip is about to be that I'm about to play for he's taken from he totally acknowledges that he's got a ulterior motive here he knows Cornelius Williams well they have a personal relationship they've worked together in a football sense before and maybe he's also bitter about himself having been fired from Auburn but this is the kind of thing franklin the kind of person that has some credentials this is the kind of thing that's going to get traction there on the plains when a former auburn offensive coordinator is ripping the current auburn head coach down in alabama people are going to notice so fresh off this for auburn before they go to lsu this week this is the former auburn offensive coordinator tony franklin going in on brian harson listen to this
2: so four games in you crack and you fire your receiver coach? I do know a little bit about football. Maybe not a lot, but I know a little bit. I have been around, and I've done some stuff. And here's what I'll tell
0: you that I see. The best coached group on the field for
1: offense was your receivers. They were the best coached group. So you're basically firing your receiver
0: coach because your offensive line sucks. I mean, that's not Johnny Fan on message board. That's the former Auburn offensive coordinator who, listen, he's got all kinds of motivations for saying what he's saying, but he also went on for about 25 minutes in this podcast. It was really pretty intense, and I won't pretend to know if Cornelius Williams had the wide receivers coached up better than any other position group on the field. I won't pretend to know that, but I do know this. Auburn was thought to be incredibly thin at the receiver position before the year began, so to the extent that group is struggling right now, that's not going to be Williams' fault, and when you look at the overall issue that the Auburn program is dealing with, and this is something that Franklin also brought up, I didn't play this audio because frankly it was just far too colorful to, to make much sense out of if I, you know, bleeped it all out. But essentially, the idea that Harson is spineless because he's throwing um, uh, Williams, the former wide receivers coach, under the bus to appease boosters, message board posters, and everything else. It is getting very intense around Brian Harson. Harson needs a win bad at LSU on Saturday, and that is not an easy place to get a win that you have to have. LSU and Auburn is going to be really, really juicy. I'd say Tennessee, Missouri, not quite as good a game as that, but still pretty interesting. And for a Tennessee staff and Tennessee, you know, uh, institution the athletic department one of the things they're working to do is make people forget about the fact that hey the coach they could have had is Greg Schiano. now listen I don't make much of a big deal about Schiano and the little bit of success he's had at Rutgers they did lose last week to Michigan but had won games prior to that but man it certainly seems like The coaching search and the thing that led to Jeremy Pruitt being hired and the way in which Tennessee fans and influential boosters involved themselves to prevent Shiana from being hired. It's the kind of thing the media just doesn't seem to want to let go here, including Kirk Herbstreit this week speaking on the ESPN podcast, not even about Tennessee, talking about Michigan, but then it bled over into a Rutgers talk, which bled over into a little bit of a quick jab against the Vols. This is Kirk Herbstreit from the ESPN podcast.
1: Everyone's excited about Michigan. I, you know, they're 4-0. They, they beat Rutgers. By the way, Rutgers is better than – when you hear Rutgers, they're better than that. Shiano, another coach who's yeah. doing really good work, and to think Tennessee kicked him out of the, of the door before uh, they could have had him is crazy.
0: I mean, Greg Shiano must be the greatest source for every, like, media person in the entire universe because the media just loves Shiano. And the idea that the success he's had at Rutgers, you have to look it up to even know what it is, the idea that, that level of success makes Tennessee crazy because they didn't want him, I think that itself is pretty crazy. And you all know I'm no Vols fan here, but I've always felt like this idea that you know there's a certain elitist category of media type who think that fans should just sort of sit there and take whatever their program does and accept whatever coach their you know athletic director wants to hire, and that's just all that it's going to be and they shouldn't ask any questions beyond that i've always felt like that was a little bit gross i actually like herb street uh, at least for the most part but i don't like that idea that you're crazy because you didn't want greg And the fact that he won three games this year at, at rutgers proves how wrong tennessee was i think that josh Heupel's probably a bad hire but the idea that greg shiano and the sec would be doing way better than that i don't see any evidence that proves that will make that your sec through and here on Dog Nation Daily, I also want to give a shout out to my friends at Marlowe's Tavern for a moment. Y'all you have know, been hearing me talk the last few days about the ribs and whiskey event there at Marlowe's Tavern, one of my favorite uh, events that you get a chance to, to do. It's the it's the seasonal promotion they do around this time each and every year. Well, earlier this week, I got a chance to go visit one of the taverns right there near me in my neighborhood. I'll show you a couple photos here for a moment of me really chomping down and enjoying some ribs, enjoying a little bit of whiskey. Can we show some of this here for a moment? Yeah, there you go. There's me with the ribs uh kind of getting an early um a lot of folks have been talking about you know kind of uh, smoking some hog here this weekend getting ready for the Arkansas game I got an early start on that there at Marlowe's Tavern a little earlier this weekend of course the entire family having a good time there on that So still a little bit of time. I'm pretty sure this is the last weekend for ribs and whiskey. So make sure you check that out at the Marlowe's Tavern closest to you. You can get it to go. You can stop by and enjoy it in the dining room or on the patio as we did a little earlier this week. So check out Marlowe's for more on that and enjoy the ribs and whiskey event and all the chef inspired food and, and delicious craft cocktails that are available at Marlowe's Tavern all year long. Okay, so this turned out to be a little bit of a marathon show but I do want to finish the week off in style because we got some of the best golden shoe submissions that we've gotten. and I want to make sure we honor all of those right now. First of all, a couple of follow-ups to previous golden shoe winners. Let me show you the first one here because I thought this was really, really hilarious. Our buddy Sugar Ray the other day uh, won the golden shoe And so he wrote back to say, I want to thank Dog Nation Daily and Brandon Adams for this great award. I couldn't do it without the show and our Georgia Bulldogs. For those of you not watching on video, here is Sugar Ray in a Georgia-style tuxedo with a whole bunch of golden shoes in front of him like he won a bunch of Oscars. This is one of the funniest things and a terrific job by uh, Sugar Ray on all of that. I had to highlight this in the show because I just thought that was just so, so funny. Also, another throwback to a previous golden shoe winner, our buddy Arnold Santiago, who shout out the Atlanta Braves yesterday we honored him for that he wrote in to say thanks for the Golden Shoe Award today honored and so appreciative and he says the Braves also did it um and that's the uh, video that they captured last night being there or at least one of his family members did being there at Truist Park as the Braves won the National League East on UGA night there at Truist Park and of course some of y'all were having fun with me on this last night as well because I was decked out in Braves gear including my Braves jersey as we were doing, doing cover four live last night uh our buddy brandon uh same name as me of course on Twitter shared this. He said, The moment the Dog Nation Daily really just wants to watch the Braves clinch the division. And one of the commenters said, Brandon himself, I'll give you the Braves updates. You can just focus on the camera. So what happens there on Cover Four Live is I got the TV off to my left. And so I'm, you know, kind of turning and looking at that and trying to keep the conversation going. And so Brandon was having some fun with me on Cover Four Live about that last night, and I had a good time decked out in Braves gear as we get ready for a, a really fun ride through the month of October. Now some more golden shoe submissions today including some of the best stuff we've gotten how about everybody buddy Jermaine King here for a moment now we got to stay on this for a minute he says uh, I'm watching cover four and trying to win a golden shoe on a Thursday night look at this work of art so you've got me on the left first of all that's my kind of like Twitter picture which is at this point in time more than five years old it's probably about time to update the Twitter picture to be completely honest with you uh he so you've got me saying now that's how you barbecue a hog You've got uh, the hog on the spit there being, uh, you know, rotated. You've got Sam Pittman instead of the yes, sir, giving you a no, sir. The Shack barbecue. This is incredible by Jermaine. I mean, how about uh, this is frame worthy. I believe I may put this in my house. Uh, this is really pretty remarkable. And that is pretty clearly a uh, golden shoe worthy for Jermaine. So really good stuff there. How about our next one here? uh william at GT Killer 82 gives you kind of a bug-eyed miss piggy saying when arkansas fans see that georgia d yeah yeah you better believe uh the uh <laughs> the look on miss piggy's face may be pretty appropriate for the hogs there on that one that's really good for william there too and i believe we also have a submission from our buddy forrester dog there as well Now if you're not watching a video i gotta explain this to you there's that heisman house commercial now where you know uh Aubie and bo jackson go out there and throw the um uh toilet paper on the trees and what forestry dog has done is kind of changed the caption on this so it's actually Auburn celebrating a uh, ex- fluke play escape win against Georgia State forestry dog is really really talented this one is really, really good. We've had some just tremendous golden shoes uh, here for this week. And if I haven't honored them all, and I think there's a chance that I have and I, I certainly apologize for that. We've been overwhelmed by so many good ones. But thank you so much for the uh, tremendous submissions there. What a fun way to close out. Well, it has been a fun week for us getting ready for the big one on Saturday between Georgia and Arkansas. One brief final thought here before we get ready to wrap up the uh, show today as well. So I saw where Bud Elliott last night on Twitter – and, and Bud's a Florida State fan. He's made no bones about that. He's very open about that. Um, Miami, he was watching that game on TV last night. And one of the things that Bud, who I respect, works for 24-7 Sports, one of the things that he said on Twitter was, he says, it's kind of crazy that Florida State's best player and Miami's best player were both on the Georgia defense last year, referencing what Tyreek Stevenson's currently doing for Miami, what Jermaine Johnson's currently doing for Florida State. And then somebody in the comments said, in one of the replies to his tweets said, and don't forget about what Otis Reese is doing at Ole Miss right now, too. Big part of that defense. And in reading this, I was just thinking about how it is kind of amazing that the Georgia defense right now is busting at the seams of talent, and yet you got like so much talent that it's spilled over to these other programs here this year in college football through the transfer portal. Like Kirby Smart's way is working. Acquiring that elite talent, putting it on the field, it's creating something pretty special in Athens right now. We'll see it Saturday against Arkansas, and for our Gator Gatorator countdown, we'll see it 29 days from now against the Gators, and can't wait to see how all that unfolds. Y'all enjoy the game for the dogs on Saturday. Be there, be elite, as Kirby Smart's challenging you to. We'll talk about a big win back on Monday. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. We shall see you then. And on the podcast, time now for the R. S. Andrews Podcast Cool Down. I want to read a uh, couple of comments here as we get ready to wrap up. Well, it was a very long show for us. We'll keep the cool down a little shorter with that in mind. Brown J four hundred four on uh, Twitter reached out to say that uh, he likes the under for the Georgia. Arkansas game on Saturday. For those of you that are not, you know, fully acquainted with that, you know, the the betting houses, including our friends at Bet US, will put together a uh, expected point total for the game. You had the two teams score together and you can decide if you want to bet over that or under that. Georgia for a long time was a pretty safe under play. They, you know, became a little less of an obvious under for a while too, but I gave this down on go with the flow and I I'll give it to you right now there as well. So this will be on Saturday, uh, the 12th time since the start of the 2019 season that Georgia has played a ranked opponent in either a home game or a neutral site environment. Think Florida, think bowl games, things like that. So of those previous 11 games, nine of them have gone under the total. And so that to me is pretty interesting. The bear, Chris Felica from ESPN had that. He typically has a lot of good stats. So you can do with that one of two things. You can say, well, there you go, that just goes to show you that, that Georgias a guaranteed under in a spot like this, fewer than 48 points scored in this game on Saturday. And maybe it is quite that simple. But as I said off at the very top of today's show, part of what I think Saturday's about for Georgia is showing that it's not the same old team that it has been in the past, because the same old Georgia, the one that was going under those point totals, as the bear Chris Felika pointed out, the one that was going under those point totals only scored about 21 points per game in those spots. And while that's a fairly safe score, if you're looking to bet the under, if you're looking to see Georgia win those games, the inability to score more points than that certainly puts that in jeopardy. So on Saturday, what I'm hoping to see for Georgia is the kind of offense that's capable of scoring 30-something points in a game like this. I thought we'd see that against Clemson it didn't quite work out that way would I like to see that Saturday against Arkansas I definitely would it would be quite a statement to show the evolution of the Georgia program now what does that do to the over under I I don't know Um, I don't know how that affects that from a from a gambling standpoint I would I would say crunch your numbers carefully if you're thinking about making that pick but in terms of what you want to see from Georgia as it sets up for more tough games in the month of October and then a run towards hopefully a championship starting in December scoring points in a game like this would go a long way towards determining that so the under has been a safe play for Georgian spots like this recently I don't know that that's quite as safe a bet moving forward here Kane Williams um uh was also sharing something this is uh, I got this on Twitter from who sent this yeah Jamie Godog Sickum. Uh, this was really pretty interesting so you know how for a while there's been this little bit of criticism of Kirby Smart that his overall numbers aren't that different than Mark Richt and georgia fans kind of go back and forth about that about how you know rick's issues to the extent that he had them weren't in his first five years they were in his final five years and i think that's probably a pretty accurate appraisal but i guess that now jimbo fisher's getting hit with the same thing as jamie godog sickum share with me a tweet from cfb home so uh in their first 40 games jimbo fisher's 29 11 with three bowl wins Kevin Sumlin was also 29-11 and 11 with three bowl wins. I mean, someone actually started out okay as Texas A M coach and fizzled later after that. But right now, a lot of folks give me grief because I did talk up Texas a m during the offseason. And right now, the Aggies are not looking great. But it's also a lot to do with the, the injury to their starting quarterback. And I think there's still a lot of season left, too. Let's see how they handled things in College Station on Saturday against a Mississippi State team that I believe is far inferior to Texas A&M. Let's see how the Aggies respond in that environment, in that situation. That's probably worth watching. All right, enjoy all the games this weekend. Georgia-Arkansas, Alabama-Ole Miss. By the way, there's a terrific article up at ESPN.com right now. This is just a you know a, a heads-up for those of you who might want to read it. Looking back at the ways in which Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin, the two coaches, they'll coach against each other on Saturday, how they once worked together and how Lane Kiffin kind of trans, helped transform the Alabama program, and the after-effects of that are still being felt. This is really well done. A couple of different riders, kind of work together on this. If you got some time to kill it, maybe worth your time to read that. Good look at Kiffin and Saban together before they compete against each other once again on Saturday. So check that out if you'd like. We will see you back here Monday for Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Also our podcast Cooldown presented by R. S. Andrews. Speaking of R.S. Andrews podcast cool down uh, excuse me, go with the flow presented by R. S. Andrews. Coming up later on the Dog Nation video channels here on this Friday afternoon, our picks for all the big games of the weekend, including Georgia, Arkansas, we'll do that with our buddy Dari Payro from R.S. Andrews there. So that'll be a lot of fun. Hope all of you enjoy the big weekend. We'll see you in Athens tomorrow. Kroger kickoff before the game. Dog Nation post game show presented by the UGA bookstore after the game from the UGA bookstore. And of course, tonight on Peachtree TV, CBS46.com for. A terrific game between Trinity Christian and Eagles Landing Christian Academy, the two top teams in the single-A private classification here in the state of Georgia. It's a busy weekend, but I wouldn't have it any other way. A lot of football, going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait to see all of you, whether it's in person or through video or whatever else. We will talk to you then and see you back here Monday for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the weekend. See you then.